1: faithfulness. He combines it with his, and he just goes with it. He just goes with it. You know, we talked about in Romans that we're given that measure of faith, and you know, I only have this much faith. Well, Jesus said it didn't take much more than that to ask the mountain to jump in the water. He'll take whatever faith you got. He will take whatever faith you have, and he will do miraculous, wonderful things
0: with it. The Bible reminds us in its stories that God uses ordinary people to accomplish His will. All He's looking for is someone who will trust Him to use them. Pastor Dave is reminding us that God hasn't changed how He does things. God's looking for people just like us to achieve His goals in today's world too. We just have to trust Him. Now let's turn to the third chapter of Judges and join Pastor Dave with today's edition of A Sure Hope.
1: It's interesting that I've said this before from this stage, that the Lord will never ask you to do something where he does not empower you to do it. He raised up Othanel to be the deliverer of Israel for this one time. And guess what? He gives them the power through the Holy Spirit to do exactly what he called them to do. Why, oh why, oh why? Why? Do people reject the Holy Spirit? Why do they grieve the Holy Spirit? Why do they quench the Holy Spirit? I don't want anything apart from the Holy Spirit. I'll run around backwards and howl at the moon. Really? Show me where that's in the scripture. Unfortunately, our Holy Spirit has gotten such a bad rap from misuse that has been rampant. But when you apply the scriptures, the Holy Spirit is our helper. He's the one who was sent to us to comfort us, to help us, to lead us in all truth. If it wasn't so great of need of the Holy Spirit, why did Jesus tell the 120, wait in Jerusalem until you receive power? And then he continued, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, there's the power. Othanel received that power. The Holy Spirit came upon him and he had power. God called him, God equipped him, and then Othanel goes out and does the work God called him to do. That's it, folks. That's what happens. You may be called by God to do a certain ministry here at Calvary Chapel. I think it's wonderful. And you may come to me and go, you know, the Lord's put it by my heart that we should have this ministry. And I'll be the first one to say, I'll back you up as much as I can. You want to do it? Let's do it. So we pray about it. Then you pray that the Holy Spirit would give you the want to do that and the energy and the strength. And boom, things start to happen. Only by the Holy Spirit, folks. As we go through Judges, we're going to see Gideon. We're going to see Jephthah, We're going to see Samson. They were all empowered by the Spirit of God. And they accomplished everything that the Lord wanted them to do. Listen to this great quote that I found from the director of the Evangelical Alliance Mission. Listen to this. Quote, The Holy Spirit longs to reveal to you the deeper things of God. He longs to work through you. Through the blessed Holy Spirit, you may have strength for every duty, Wisdom for every problem, comfort for every sorrow, and joy in his overflowing service. Unquote. I love that. That about sums it up, folks. That about sums it up. The Holy Spirit gives power to all Notice that the Lord is also gracious and he has mercy because there's no evidence that Israel ever repented of their sin. And we're going to see why in a minute. But there's much evidence of God's never-ending mercy. Althornel rules for 40 years. And although he managed the nation and had authority over it, it was his spiritual leadership that kept the nation going. We should never underestimate what God can do through somebody who's completely devoted to him and filled to overflowing with and empowered by the Holy Spirit. We should never underestimate. We have no power outside the Holy Spirit. None at all. The cycle continues. Let's read the next verses, 12 through 30. Children of the Lord again did evil in the sight of the Lord. Well, I guess they didn't learn their lesson. We're starting all over again, folks. So the Lord strengthened Eglon, king of Moab, against Israel because they had done evil in the sight of the Lord. Then he gathered to himself the people of Ammon and Amalek, went and defeated Israel and took possession of the city of Palms. So the children of Israel served Eglon, king of Moab, 18 years. But when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for them, Ehud, the son of Gera, a Benjamite, a left-handed man. By him, the children of Israel sent a tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. Now Ehud made himself a dagger. It was double-edged and a cubit in length and fastened it under his clothes on his right thigh. So he brought the tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. Now Eglon was a very fat man. And when he had finished presenting the tribute, he sent away the people who had carried the tribute. But he himself turned back from the stone images that were at Gilgal and said, I have a secret message for you, king, O king. And he said, keep silence. And all who attended him went out from him. So Ehu came to him, now he was sitting upstairs in his cool private chamber. Then he who said, I have a message from God for you. So he reached across from his seat. Then Ehud reached with his left hand, took the dagger from his right thigh and thrust it into his belly. Even the hilt went in after the blade and the fat closed over the blade for he did not draw the dagger out of his belly and his entrails came out. You know, the Bible can be graphic at times, can it? Then Ehud went out through the porch and shut the doors of the upper room behind him and locked them. When he had gone out, Eglon's servants came to look, and to their surprise, the doors of the upper room were locked. So they said, he's probably attending to his deeds in the cool chamber. So they waited until they were embarrassed, and still he had not opened the doors to the upper room. Therefore, they took the key and opened them, and there was their master fallen dead on the floor. But Ehud had escaped while they delayed, and passed beyond the stone images, and escaped to Sierra. And it happened when he arrived that he blew the trumpet in the mountains of Ephraim and the children of Israel went down with him from the mountains and he said to them, follow me for the Lord has delivered your enemies, the Moabites into your hand. So they went down after him, seized the fords of the Jordan leading to Moab and did not allow anyone to cross over. And at that time they killed about 10,000 men of Moab, all stout men of valor, not a man escaped. So Moab was subdued that day under the hand of Israel And the land had rest for 80 years. Once again, same thing happens. The cycle continues. They did evil in the sight. 40 years, they were great. 40 years, they did well. They started to slide back. Once again, they forgot God. You would think, if anything, they would have gratitude for what God had done for them and serve the Lord continually, but it didn't happen that way. This is so true in our lives. God does miraculous things in our midst, and right away, we're looking for the next thing that he should do. We have people who are in great need. We have people with a host of problems, horrible problems, bad problems. But when God does a miracle in one of those problems, all they can do is, yeah, but what about this one? Let's stop and give praise to the Lord for what he has done. Let's stop, give praise to the Lord, give him thanks, continue on serving him, and watch how he wants to work in your life to the other problems that you have. But no, because he only took one problem out of four, we're upset. Where are you now, God? How come he only took one problem out of four? Well, I healed you of cancer. Isn't that enough? Well, no, God, you didn't do this. You didn't do that. I mean, we're so fleshly. We're all the same way. I'm not, hey, listen, I'm just like that. We forget. We forget his faithfulness. We sang about it tonight. My gosh, all the songs that were picked out. No coincidence that the Holy Spirit had Frank pick those songs out. All of them sang about his faithfulness. All of them sang about his worth. 18 years for them to say, enough, enough, 18 years. You would think after the first time they would cry out to God, but they didn't. Once again, the parents and priests failed to teach the younger generation about the Lord. The older generation neglected their duties. They didn't give the younger generation an example to follow. We talked about that. But they did cry out. And God once again heard their cries. And God once again answered them and acted accordingly. He raised up a deliverer, Ehud. Ehud was an interesting man. You should do a study of him and find out all about him. It mentions his left hand. He was left-handed. And many seem to think that his right hand was damaged in some way, that he had to use his left hand. I was reading some information that I'll share with you and that the Benjamites at that time were known to be ambidextrous. They could use both hands. But for some reason, it says he was left-handed. He had a problem with one hand, but he used that in a mighty, mighty way. He had a strategy that was given to him by the Lord and he followed the strategy. He's obscure, but certainly he was God's choice to lead the nation. And I go back with you. He's looking for a few men and women who won't get big heads and say, look what we did, but we'll be able to say, look what God did for us so that this nation might return to God. And you can read that very verse in 2 Chronicles 16, 9. It's one of my favorite verses. Paraphrasing, it says, the Lord is looking to and fro throughout the land and he can find himself someone to show strong on their behalf. God is still looking for those people today. He's looking. God chose this person. There were no successors during them. Remember, this was Joshua's problem. He didn't raise up some young person to follow him. There were no successors. Israel was left on their own. They were supposed to trust God for themselves. They were supposed to trust God for themselves. If we can't trust God for ourselves, we are in trouble. Each of us need to be able to trust God in our present situation for ourselves. I can pray for you, but I can't trust God for you. You need to trust God for yourself. Remember, they call it a personal relationship. There's a reason there. It's personal because God wants to be personal with you. But we need to trust him for ourselves in our problem. Now, we may have similar circumstances we may have similar problems and one of the reasons that we didn't mention that God allows us to go through problems it talks about in Corinthians is so that we then could minister to those who are going through the same problems that's why we have a freedom through Christ program which is being ministered to people by someone who had a drug and alcohol problem see that person was in those shoes So they can say, this is what God did for me. And this is how God worked for me. But those people who are being ministered to still have to catch it for themselves and apply that to their own lives. And that's why the application of the Bible is so important. It's one thing for me to teach the Bible. And if you notice, every time we teach the Bible, I throw out application. This is how we have to apply it. Because if we just read these words, that's all they become are just words. We need to apply it to our lives. This is the living word of God. And the entire thing is truth. And we need to learn from it. We need to glean from it how we live our lives today. And people will tell you, this book is thousands upon thousands of years old. Well, that doesn't make it any less true than the day it was written. It is still the truth, the only truth. God chooses obscure people to do great things. I've said this before, that every great revival was started by some obscure person praying that the Holy Spirit came down and just, bam, knocked them on their knees, and look what happens. He could choose any one of you at any time, call you into his service, and lead you by the Holy Spirit. If you're trusting and resting in him to do so. If you're trusting and resting that he was going to do what he's called you to do. That is the job that I have. That's my job. My job. It was taught in the Ephesians class. Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. My job is to teach the word of God. To give you and show you empowerment. And then what's going to happen is the building up for the work of the ministry. As I teach the word of God, you're built up, you're getting faithful, and all of a sudden you want to serve. It no longer becomes Pastor Dave's job to do all the litany of ministry. Not that I don't mind being involved, don't get me wrong. We talked about the body of Christ. Each person in the body of Christ has a specific thing that God wants them to do. Have you found it yet? Keep praying, keep searching, keep reading God's word. He will show you that where you fit, and then he will equip you to do that work he's called you to do. And that's what Judges is all about. How many of you, before you ever read the Bible, ever read Judges 3, ever heard of the name Ehud? i ever heard of it. It's not on the list of the greatest 10 boy names ever. You know what I mean? Come on, you don't hear a lot of it. Oh, darling, what are we going to name our boy? Ehud. What? You don't hear that. Well, how about this one? Shamgar. I love that guy. I love Shamgar, man. That's a name, Shamgar. I love that. I love that. Let me tell you something about Shamgar. We're gonna finish here. Shamgar was so important, he gets one verse. (laughs) One verse. One verse. But you know what? I love Shamgar. You know why? Because he's there. Because he's there. And God used him mightily. God raised him up and used him mightily. Look at 31, the last verse in Judges 3. After him, after Ehud, was Shamgar, the son of Anath, who killed 600 men of the Philistines with an ox goad. And he also delivered Israel. Shamgar, my man. I'm going to get a hat that says Shamgar on it. I love the guy. I love the guy. How cool is that, man? Man. There we go. Shamgar the Great. I love this. And it's really cool because as we go on, you know, the Bible, and I think I've said this before, the Bible is the greatest commentary on itself. There is no better commentary on the Bible than the Bible because as we get to chapter 5 in verses 6 and 7, we find out who Shamgar was. He was a contemporary of Deborah. In other words, they lived at the same time because it's going to mention Shamgar when we're talking about Deborah Shamgar was a man who defeated the enemy using a resource that he had. All he had was an ox goad. Does anybody know what that is? Yeah. It's a long stick that they use to get the goats. Come on, move. Let's go. Come on. Jesus mentioned the ox goad in one of his parables about getting hit with the ox goad. He mentioned it. That's all you do with the ox code. He took that bad boy and he killed how many? 10,000? 600 or 10,000. What the heck? I'm telling the story. 10,000. And they kept coming and he kept on killing them. man. I'll tell you what's great, man. And got nothing on Rambo. Shamgar. Got nothing on Rambo, man. Rambo had all these neat tools and stuff like that. Shamgar's got an ox code. You got to love the guy got I love the guy. What am I getting out of this, this one verse? I'm getting that God will use the resource that you have. I don't have all the technology in the world. Well, neither did the apostle Paul. I don't have this. I don't have that. Well, hey, what do you have? I'll use that. I'll use whatever you have. Shamgar, what's that in your hand? An ox code. Look out, because here comes 600 guys. 600 Philistines. Oh, the Philistines, the dreaded Philistines. If they only had to wipe those guys out long ago, they would have never had these problems with the Philistines. We're going to read about the Philistines from now until we get to the major prophets. Oh my gosh. The Philistines, the biggest thorn in Israel's side that I can think of. Nasty, mean Philistines. But he did it. And here you got a guy who doesn't complain about what he has. You got a guy that doesn't even complain about what he has. Shamgar, there's guys coming and you're going to have to deliver Israel. What am I going to use? What's in your hand? An ox code. That's good enough. Okay, Lord, let me add him. I would love to see that battle. Man, I would love to see that battle. That is so cool. He didn't complain. He used what he had. So many of us, we need this and we need that and we need, oh my gosh, holy mackerel. We need this. You know, sometimes I think our worship was simpler when we had an overhead projector. I mean, remember the days? It was so simple. It was wonderful and glorious because we worship from the heart. Even now, I love it, but you got to worship from the heart. It's simple. God uses that. He uses our faithfulness. He combines it with his and he just goes with it. He just goes with it. You know, we talked about in Romans that we're given that measure of faith. And you know, I only have this much faith. Well, Jesus said it didn't take much more than that to ask the mountain to jump in the water. He'll take whatever faith you got. He will take whatever faith you have and he will do miraculous, wonderful things with it. This is not only an example of God's faithfulness, it was an example of someone being willing to be used by God. I told you at this onset, these are ordinary men and women. Folk just like us, who didn't have near the amenities that you and I have. Didn't have near the things that we had. And look what God does with them. Why? Because they were available. Do you make yourself available to God? Do you make yourself available? Here I am, Lord. Here I am. What was Isaiah's call? What was Isaiah's call when you he heard him over talking? Who are we going to send? Who's going to go for us? Here I am, Lord, send me. Oh, get on your knees tonight, folks, in your prayer closet. Get on your knees tonight, folks, and call out to God. Here I am, God, send me. Watch what happens. Watch what the Lord does. And be ready. Go out to, tomorrow to Home Depot and buy a ox code. <laughs> be ready. Be ready. Look what God has done with somebody with a pencil in their hand. Writing these things. Look what God has done with all that's come. Look what God did with the jawbone of an ass. We're going to find that out. Look at the things God used through his word to demonstrate his powerfulness and his greatness and his wonderness. But he uses men and women just like us. Fallen, sinful, just like us. That's cool. That is Really cool. The world seeks for us to have better methods, better equipment, better technology, better speakers. The world looks to us to have better leaders. God looks for simple. God looks for simple men and simple women who understand the basis of his word and by faith believe in him and by faith ask him, what do you want me to do, Lord? Lord, what do you, is it you want me to do? I want to do whatever your agenda is. Well, I want you to talk to that gnarly looking person right over there. Anything but that, Lord. What else do you want me to do? No. What do you want me to do, Lord? What is it you want me to do? How do I fit in this body of believers? How do I fit in here? What do you want me to do? Where do you want me to serve? What is it that you want me to do? When we know the basics of God's word, And we know the power given to us by the Holy Spirit. Oh, my goodness. God's going to reveal to us fantastic strategies, fantastic things. He'll give you courage. He'll give you steadfastness to complete the task. There's so much work for the Lord to do before he returns. There's so much work yet to be accomplished. I'm going to ask you one question and one question only. Are you available? Are you available to God? And if so, in your prayer closet, tell him you're available.
0: What do you want me to do, God? Here I am.
1: What do you want me to do? And you'll be amazed. And then let us, as a body of Christ, help you step out in faith and accomplish that which God wants you to do. That's so cool. That's what I see happening in this little thing called Judges. That's what I see happening. Guys with the name of Ehud and Shamgar. I love it. It is so cool. Amen. You are sure
0: the Old Testament book of Judges that you've been studying with Pastor Dave Shank gives you a glimpse into the intriguing history of the nation of Israel. The Israelites seem to cycle through a pattern. They follow God, turn away from Him, become aware of their sin, and finally repent and step back onto God's path. Each time, God brings a judge to lead them creatively back to Himself, showing His power and mercy time and time again. Israel's history is one we still see today. Many people fall into the same cyclical relationship with God. They follow Him for a time, fall into sin, and need to be reminded of their errors. God is always faithful to forgive, though, when you come to Him in repentance. His mercy is new every day, and He's big enough to cover every mistake from your life. We're so glad you tuned in today to Assure Hope. We hope you've been encouraged by what you heard. If you have any questions about this ministry, or if you want to know more about the forgiveness God can offer you, please give us a call. Our number is 609-884-5821. We'd love to pray with you, and we'll do our best to answer your questions. That phone number again is 609-884-5821. If you'd like to listen to more teachings from Assure Hope, just visit our website, assurehoperadio.com. We'd love to meet you, too. Be sure to check out the service times and directions to Calvary Chapel, Cape May. Thanks for being part of our time here today on Assure Hope.